This week on Dig Me Out, Tim and Jay review the soundtrack to the movie Judgment Night. No, 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 Jay, you're saying Steven Tyler invented rap. I've warmed up to it quite a bit the more the more I've been listening to it. Misogynistic, dunderheaded. Hello and welcome to another episode of Dig Me Out. I'm your host, Tim Minichi, and join me once again, my co-host, Mr. Jason Ziak. Jay, this is yeah. a uh, this is a good year for us in um, what I like to think of as uh, really getting to know the people that listen to our our podcast. Uh, a couple weeks ago, longtime listener uh, David Dirty Gorgos joined us for an episode after bludgeoning us with several picks that <laughs> were not in our wheelhouse, but that opened our minds to... Uh, New experiences, as if we had dropped some acid or in, like, in 1967 yeah, or something. It was like music at LSD or something. Yeah. And then this week, we are joined by another longtime listener. This is one I'm gonna I'm gonna give a little history here. So back in season one, Mr. Gavin Reed, you know, started corresponding with us through email, and uh, eventually ended up sending us a, a, a USB. Uh, a disc or a drive of um, of music from Australia, and uh, we have used that USB multiple times uh, in the last couple years to reference Australian bands that we have reviewed. I think was it Gavin? And first of all, welcome to the show. Thank you for joining okay. us. Was it no. that we reviewed uh, Super Jesus and that made you mad that we reviewed Super Jesus? And, <laughs> and then you said, "No, here's some good Australian music." Or is it Ammonia? Yeah. Ammonia, I think it was, yeah. Okay. Um, I think it was Ammonia, and yeah, but Super Jesus is a bit a bit on the same level. It's good, but not great. And then you sent us uh, a whole bunch of stuff. Now, it wasn't even all 90s. You sent us a lot of older stuff, like The Saints and mm. uh, Radio Birdman and, and some other bands, and then newer newer bands. But it was uh, the core of it was like UMI, and then we just did the Hoodoo Gurus uh, a couple weeks ago, which was one of your suggestions, and we did... Um, well, one that we picked, uh, I think it was last year, was at Asteroid B612, yep. which was a really obscure one here in the States. So That's one obscure that, here. So. But one that we both uh, both enjoyed. So, like uh, David Gorgos, we said, you know, if you... if you This year we were, we were asking for a small donation to go along with the, with the reviews, and we said, if you pick three, you get your fourth one free. So, you picked your three, and then you got to pick your fourth one free, and the... The fourth one that you picked, tell us, what did you pick? I've, uh, naturally, being an Australian who's into rock music, I've picked Judgment Night soundtrack, a metal rap compilation soundtrack. Now, before we get into what I'm sure is going to be a lively discussion about <laughs> this soundtrack, um, was uh, this in your radar when the movie came out, or was this something that you discovered afterwards? Um, around this time, I was one of those people who goes to the CD shop and actually, because you don't, you see all the CDs, but you don't know the, a lot of the music on them, and I'd buy them by sight at times. Um, and this one, so this, I saw this before I knew the movie existed, and basically the names on the cover sold me. I thought, I'll have to give that a go. So yeah, I, I bought it unheard. I think I did too, but I do remember the movie coming out, but I didn't see it until it was like on one of the TV networks. Years yeah. later, I didn't go to the theater to see it. And from what I recall, it's not exactly a great movie. Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, although it does have uh, Dennis Leary in an excellent um, bad guy role, which he's good at. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But I, I also bought it because I think right across the uh, cover, it said the names of all the bands um, and uh, who they were paired with because the premise of the album is that they paired modern... Uh, alternative and indie rock bands with modern hip-hop and rap artists may have paved the way, we'll get into it, for uh, the what would become the um, new metal of the uh, late 90s, but uh, we'll, we'll talk about that. I want to give a little history on this. So this was released when the album the album came out runtime when the movie came out was September of 1993 this album actually peaked at number 17 
on the Billboard 200, and there were four singles that were released, and it charted at some level um, on Billboard. The original album was 11 tracks, but there's a bonus track, not a bonus track, there's an unreleased track that's been circling the web for as long as the web's been around. It's a, And it's actually not a, com- it's, a, it's a little bit different because it's Rage Against the Machine and Tool. It's not a hip-hop artist, although, I mean, I guess Zach De La Rocha is essentially rapping in a lot of Rage Against the Machine songs. Um, but it's uh, those two bands. Uh, they recorded a song which was not included on the soundtrack. I guess they didn't agree on the quality of it. And the two bands then actually ended up taking parts of the song and then using them in future songs. Rage Against the Machine used it part of the song in their song New Millennium Homes from the 1999 album Battle of Los Angeles. And then um, Maynard James Keenan, who besides being a tool is also in a perfect circle, he used some of the album or some of the song um, for this another song called Thinking of You from a Perfect Circle's 2000 album Murder Gnomes. So that is some obscure trivia about this particular record. We got to some Facebook feedback, and um, two two people mentioned. Uh, Richard Diaz said a concept that you that one might think would never work kicks ass. And then Eric J. Peterson chimed in. Like a lot of people, I did buy the soundtrack when it came out. I'm not a big rap hip hop fan, but there were a few interesting tracks on the album. I like the Mud Honey, Sir Mixlock. Jam, Freak Mama, and the Helmet House of Pain track, Just Another Victim. Uh, the Ice-T and Slayer track is notable that it is a medley of three songs by the UK punk group The Exploited, War, UK82, and Disorder. My current take is that the, those three tracks will make a killer 7-inch, but I'll admit that I need to go back and listen to the rest of the album. At the very least, exposed a lot of rap hip-hop to alternative listeners. I'm not sure that a lot of rap hip-hop fans were picking up on the alternative bands. So, gentlemen, you have both revisited this record, as have I. Let's talk about Judgment Night. Let's drop some judgment on the Judgment Night soundtrack. Um, Now, I'm going to start with Jay, because this is probably the farthest outside of Jay's comfort zone that we have gone (laughs) so far. I don't know about that. Well, you don't listen to any rapper hip-hop, correct? No. No, you don't. No. So basically, like, every song on this record was not in your wheelhouse. Whereas, Well, you, there's the other side of it. I mm-hmm. mean, obviously, the other side of it, not a lot of the bands on here, the, you know, the rock bands I like. So, like, half, right. you know, half of the formula is in my wheelhouse. And it's, and it's an interesting record in that if you look at who the artists are, Helmet, Teenage Fan Club, Living Color, Biohazard, Slayer, Faith No More... Sonic Youth, Mudhoney, Dennister Jr., Therapy, and Pearl Jam. If you look at that list of bands, you're like, wow, that is an incredible compilation of bands from 1993 all appearing together. It's when you add the the hip-hop rap artists that it turns it into something completely different. So what was your take, Jay? Did this find a place in your heart? Or... um, (laughs) Or was this just another body murdered, as Faith No More and Booyah Tribe would have said? Ooh. Hmm. I will say that, you know, over time of listening to it, it it's it started to find a place. Um, I've warmed up to it quite a bit the more the more I've been listening to it. Uh, you know, my first couple passes through it, it didn't really meld together a lot of these combinations, and I think there's a couple songs on here where it just a couple surprising ones to me where it doesn't really meld very very well and you think it would. So like the helmet house of pain to me, particularly the helmet part, I, I don't know, it just kind of like, well, I guess because that song's kind of it's almost like two songs. Yeah, it sort me, of slows down when the house of pain yeah. part starts. And and I'll throw in the um the Pearl Jam song with that. They both both of those songs, the Pearl Jam Cypress Hill song, they both sound like um you know, like the band did a music bed and then, you know, the hip hop artist just rapped over top of that. And that stuff doesn't, I don't know, that that didn't really do much for me. Yeah, 
as opposed to something like say like even like missing link like the dinosaur junior uh a song that felt you know i don't know that those guys got together in a room and kind of worked that out but it definitely felt like it it melted together a better and i thought the um the the drums on that were really cool in that they had sort of that hip-hop sound but they were a performance that was kind of looped and uh, rhythmically it was it was one of the more interesting rhythms on the record and and the Living Color Run DMC song, I thought, was another case of, and that one, that one in particular, really sounds like those guys worked on that together. Um, I don't know if that's the case, but it definitely sounds like the, you know, the vocal and the music are listening to each other and playing off of one another. guitar the guitar part in that that vernon reed was playing is is really really cool different to a lot a lot of the stuff you know i started getting critical of the formula of when you combine rap and rock together and it's sort of you know you got the um you, you tend to when the when the when the rhyming comes in when the rap part comes in you know the guitars tend to go like you know the quarter note you know ringing out quarter note kind of thing to make space for that mm-hmm. um and it it kind of becomes a formula after a while. And I thought that Living Color song didn't do that. Uh, the guitar, guitar-wise, it was melodic and interesting through the whole thing, and it kind of didn't. It wasn't super simplified like some of the some of the other songs on here, like the Helmet song and some of the others where the guitar just really does nothing. The Ice T and Slayer song, I really struggle with. It kind of, it's almost comical to me, like. Ice T's like super intense, and obviously Slayer's supposed to be this super scary band, but for some reason, like the way it comes across, and I don't know if it's the production of that song or just I don't know. It sounds forced. Um, or the fact that maybe you said they're kind of doing a cover song. Yeah, there's a, 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 a band called The Exploited, and they were covering. There was a medley of three of their songs, um, which was a UK punk band. And I think this was around the time when Ice-T was doing the body count stuff as well. So he was already sort of crossing well, the, over, you know, doing the cop killer with the with the metal band. So him performing with Slayer was actually not that shocking. Yeah. I don't know. Something about it just doesn't... Maybe it's the subject matter, the lyrics, or the delivery. Something about it just like, like wow, they're trying really hard to sound intense and scary. And it kind of sounds more like, you know... Um, a, a B horror movie where it's, you know what I mean. You can kind of see the uh, the bad makeup job and the. <laughs> it's almost it's almost a parody of itself. Um, you know, maybe at the time it seemed way more intense than it does now, but in you know, uh, twenty years later or whatever it is at this point, it kind of didn't really work for me as much as I think it what should have. In the last one, I guess I'll note of one that I that I that I enjoyed was the Faith No More. Booyah Tribe, just because of Faith No More music on that is so cool. The inter- the interplay of the piano um, and the heavy guitar and sort of the, I'm guessing that's Mike Patton. There's kind of a vocal chanting going on that they kind of use as a hook. And, you know, the, the rap delivery of it kind of fits Faith No More too. So yeah, uh, that was another one that, that I liked a lot. Yeah. Deal. 
deals to make a kill. And in the war looking, gonna get that ass killed. I'm living like a criminal, and criminal I be. And I'm respected in the hood like a G. But if they think about stitching, then they gone. I'm thinking of their heads with a motherfucking chrome. I gotta pay the pay to play to get through. And I ain't through till I'm dumping on a fool. I see the fool running and running, but where they going? Had the wits and my murder, now they know it. Would they blast or blast or let them pass? I had to think that my life was going in a blast. If I wait to take it longer, that'll be my ass. Searching for these fools while stepping across the ground. Cause they can't hide and hide and that's real. And what you just with it, with your eyes got you killed. Another body murder. Bang your head to this. Another body murder. Probably the one I like, the other one I like the least is the um, Sonic Youth Cypress Hill. That just sounds like totally phoned in. Like that did nothing for me. Again, just, I think the ones I didn't like were the, uh, where it sounds like a music bed, you know, with just somebody rapping over top of it. And you know, it's weird. The, um, the version on Spotify that I'm using here, it doesn't the, uh, give Mud Honey credit for Freak Mama or Sir Mix a Lot. It just says Judgment Night. Huh. Which I found interesting. I'm not sure if that was a legal thing or if a mistake, but um doesn't actually have them credited on that. Weird. So that's Gavin. where I'm at. Gavin. You were the one that brought this to the table. Yep. Uh was this something that you listened to on a like a monthly basis, or was this uh was this something you had to d- dial back in uh to your to your rotation to re familiarize yourself with this? Uh, I, I did have to go back, but it is something I listen to not every month, but maybe every three to six. Um, it is a CD that survived the great CD cull of about ten years ago. Yeah, so it, it's definitely something puts a smile on my face when I hear it. it takes me back. What are the uh, what are the tracks that you that stand out for you, and what are the tracks that don't work? All right. Um, when I when I first got this, I was probably I was in the at the heavier end of things, and I think that's why this appealed to me because metal music at the time had was was really struggling it was the crossover between when it was poppy and then when it got really heavy and there was nothing in this this zone um so at, when i first got it i was i really liked um judgment night and uh and the living color song microphone uh, and just another victim i was right into those uh these days I, i'm now leaning towards i think I think both the Mud Honey song and the Dinosaur Junior song, so Freak Mama and Missing Link, hold up really well today and just sound. Look, I, I sort of nod my head and sing along to those still. Did you like how I spiked the ball? Despite your all, you can come bite a small portion. There's more in the vault. Pops have a vault. They alter your brain patterns. Yeah, it's my fault. I just stay out of blitz. A bird's hurt. If he damn he the speech with you to reach. I'll just be no simile. Never flow simply. Cause now I need to be the truth, the truth, and nothing but the truth. I tell it to the youth. The fellow of the proof in the brain. Wouldn't you like to know? Oh, I do agree that some of the others can sound a bit comical. That's is probably the right word. I think um, "Come and Die," the therapy fatal song, is, is a bit like that as well as the Slayer one. But at the time, you know, obviously I was pretty young, and yeah, that's what you like at that stage. I think. Mm-hmm. And, and lyrically, the, I mean, some of these songs are lyrically like trying to—they're referencing the movie, right? I've never seen the movie, but it, it's like a—is it a horror movie or some sort no, of action movie? It's uh, uh let's see, it's Emilio Estevez. Cuba Gooding Jr. and a few other people, they like, I think they go downtown in some big city to like a sports game mm-hmm. or something. And then when they're coming back, they get lost and they end up like in the bad part of town. And Dennis Leary somehow is like a drug dealer or some sort of gangster kingpin and ends up getting tangled with them. And they end up like 
running from him through the city. Okay. And um, it like culminates with like a them stuck in like a mall and like ha- or some sort of store and then having a shootout with him. And it's basically like one night of terror. It's not a horror movie, but it's like it's mm. definitely like a thriller suspense action movie with like people getting killed and stuff like that. But a lot so of this. So this movie is like sort of like the. I think that they um, went with this format because they were like, basically it's like these guys from the suburbs going down into the city and they were trying to meld like the, I guess the alternative, you know, indie music of the, of the suburbs with the hip hop of, and rap of the city. Mm-hmm. That's, that was, that's my guess is for why they decided to go with this particular format for the soundtrack. And a lot of the songs are used in the, in the movie. So a song like come and die lyrically, maybe that's, you know, I don't know. Maybe yeah, they saw the movie before they wrote the, yeah. the, some of these songs and actually wrote to it or something. Possibly, possibly. Yeah. <laughs> I don't. I don't know what the. I don't, there's uh, not a lot of uh, info on the creation of this soundtrack, so I don't know uh, if that was the format. If they like said, "Hey, we need a we need a song uh, where because Den- Dennis Leary is going to say, "You guys are just another victim," so we need you to uh, write a song <laughs> like that. <laughs> Uh, it sounds like that um, sometimes. I've got just another victim on a helmet B-side somewhere as well where they just do it on their own. And it, it works pretty well like that. So That's is the second half of the song there? Um, I couldn't tell you off the top of my head. I haven't heard it for a while. But it, yeah, it's, fits, it sounds like one song rather than, like you say, um, sounding like two songs. So, and and it, is, it is more of a helmet song than a, you know, it's, it, they're the good part of it. So. Yeah. Right. And they that's probably a... play it live. That's a clear case where it's two, almost really two individual songs, and the only way they're connected mm. is the fact that there's no space in between. And like you said, the, the just another victim was probably I don't. It might have been um, that they had it as a B side and then used it, or maybe they original. Maybe it was for this soundtrack, and then they just separated it for their own purposes. Because yeah. they, maybe they weren't happy with the House of Pain contrib- contribution to the <laughs> to the song. I think that there are some other ones that um, you guys didn't mention. One is Fallen, the Teenage Fan Club De La Soul song. I do like that oh, one. Yeah. It's a bit more relaxed. Hey, yo, pack my bags. I'm out of here. Mama don't love me and my mama don't care. Read the papers, the headlines say, washed up rapper got sewn. Lingo's busted while the guitar sways. B-side copy for the radio plays for something. I knew I blew the whole fandango when the drum programmer wore a kango. Never could be like great fish won't bite bait. Realize that I'm over like clover. No good luckin', so mace beat the fucking beat. While the teenage fan the heat, I bring it to the clues. Paid all my dues, so what's going dead? Let me use my forehead. Easy pack it up, man. Let me stop stalling, cause everything I do is like falling. Where is that chorus taken from? Is that the fallen part? It sounds like it's sampled from another song, doesn't it? It it might be sampled. I, I didn't. It's not on the Wikipedia page. If it is a sample, um, but it's is it like Tom it might, it might be. Fallen? No, it's not free falling. It might have been sampled from. I mean, De La Soul themselves sampled a lot of soul and mm. and you know R and B in in their yeah. albums. So. It, it could have been a previous sample. It might have just been something new for this particular song, but I didn't see where it was mentioned. I'd, ha- I'd have to look at the actual liner notes to, to see if um, that was the case. Yeah. You got. You mentioned uh, the Cypress Hill Sonic Youth. Yeah, it, that's a disappointing track because it really just sounds like Sonic Youth is just showing up to like play four notes. Like there's, it's so not. It could have been anybody playing that music mm. it's it's so not sonic youth or very yeah. inventive um and in this in the cypress hill contributions like both songs are kind of 
just—I don't know—not very inspired. <laughs> I don't. <clears throat> it seems I like don't they have like a, a one style of like rhyming. Well, they were only around for really one album. I mean, you know, Cypress Hill, basically. Well, I guess two because Insane in the Brain was on the second album. Um, I was actually a huge fan of that first Cypress Hill album. And uh, but they, I mean they had a very limited shelf life because his vocal is so specific and yeah. nasally annoying. So mm-hmm. when it when Insane in the Brain got played eight billion times on MTV and on radio, it sort of killed. I think it it was a case of overload with that band because they never really did anything after that. Although uh, not the lead, not the singer, but that guy who's the MC in that band actually did a collaboration with Greg Dooley on uh, a song. For um, it's like a it's on a compilation album. It's actually a pretty cool song. The DJ for Cypress Hill. Yeah, yeah. Okay. He duly sings over like a music bed. That's pretty oh. cool. I can't remember what the name of the song is, but it's some B side or compilation album you can dig up out there. I like the uh, you guys mentioned this the Mud Honey Sir Mix a lot. I, it that song works really well, and I think it's also helps that there's like there's a little bit of like sense of humor to that song whereas a lot of these songs are pretty serious i mean well a, the, yeah a, there's a couple a, that are re- very serious and they're the ones that hold up the worst right, <laughs> right? yeah exactly like, the more serious they take it the you know the less timeless it is it seems like i didn't get what you were necessarily going for with the the slayer ice tea combination because to me like i said i i mean not that i was a huge um fan of uh body count but I, I think it works i don't think that either of them are making a joke out of it out of it or anything like that i think they're, no, they're I think taking they're it very s- serious i think they are taking it very serious and that's what makes it funny <laughs> to me it's better than body count though oh it's oh it's oh yeah over body. i mean you have <laughs> slayer as your backing band instead of the guys yeah. at body count it's gonna be a much better album or a much better song and i think uh what might have set the stage a little bit for this album is uh, Anthrax and Public Enemy doing Bring the Noise Together on um, Apocalypse 91. And it's funny because when I was revisiting this and I I wasn't listening to the, I wasn't looking at the tracks, I was just listening to it. And when Another Body Murdered came on, I thought it was Public Enemy that was with Faith No More because he sounded a lot like Chuck D, whoever's the... Mm. A lead singer or rapper or whatever, whatever vocalist for Booyah Tribe. Yeah, who's Booyah Tribe? I've never heard of that. Is that real? I mean, are they? Is that like a supergroup or something? Or, well, Jay, <laughs> explain to me. Booyah Tribe was made up of the Godfather, Cobra, Monstro, O, Gangsta Rid, and Gwitty. They were from Carson, California, and they were formed in 1988, and they are still together. Hmm. I believe oh, they've spent a fair bit of time behind bars around about the time of this album, I think. That is entirely possible. <laughs> uh, they actually have put out eight albums, last in 2006. Uh, I cannot say that I have listened to any particular um, album, but uh, the, fu- the thing to note is that um, everybody in the band is their brothers, and they're American Samoa. So, oh yeah, oh yeah, exactly. It's tribe with dots, so those letters actually stand for something else. Will uh, we ever find out? Tribe stands for oh, too God. rough, too rough international booyah empire. <laughs> of course, you know that, Gavin. We lost Gavin. You back, Gavin? Yep, I'm back. Yep. Okay. Yeah, just dropped out. All right. Did Did you get the history of booyah tribe? <laughs> yes. It's very important. <laughs> very important. <laughs> All right, good, because I didn't want you to miss out on any of that. So is this prior to Body Count? I, I'm, I'm going to go with no, but I um, could be wrong. Body Count formed in 1990 when they would go on a tour. Or at, at first, they played uh, Lollapalooza. They did the Lollapalooza tour and um, in 91, and he played half the songs with Body Count as the metal, band, metal songs, and they did half of his hip-hop set. So... Which so I guess question. if you if you want to appeal to middle class, you know, teenagers back in 1991, half hip hop, half metal is probably a good way to go. 
<clears throat> let me throw out a question for you guys. Okay. Um, I felt like when this first, when this happened, this record happened and the body count thing happened and all of a sudden there was this conversation around, I think what you just said, like, oh, wow, you take these two different sort of backgrounds and you combine them together. Just imagine like where music's going to go. Like when you meld these two things together, how it's going to like create this whole new kind of music. I don't think that happened. Uh, so, well, I think it did. Can you guys talk about that? I mean, what, what do you think that like, the combinations of rock and rap that have come since then have really evolved much past this. I think it burns um, itself out, but go ahead, Gavin. Yeah. I think um, Rage Against the Machines first album precedes this by about a year. So that, and I think that's, I mean, you're in the same zone with it, with that, Um, Mm -hmm. you know, rapping over heavy style music. So I think that probably really gave this a a platform to, to launch from. Um, But yeah, I agree. It's sort of burnt out. And I think the, um, I think bands like Pantera and the ones that followed kind of killed it off because they they retook this heavy sound back away from this and started just you know and people just got found a new version of metal but at this stage it was there wasn't one you know yeah I think it definitely led to you know Rage Against the Machine I mentioned the the, the Anthrax Public Enemy combination. Uh, this this album definitely had an influence on the mid to late '90s, which would be you'd see that with Limp Bizkit, you would see that with smaller or less popular bands like Crazy Town, which was like the early 2000s, POD, mm-hmm. Incubus. Right. So it spawned this whole you know rap rock new metal thing. Yeah. That was big for a while but do you feel like that was any different than that i guess i'm saying like i felt like when this first happened that there was all this speculation and all this hope that it was going to really kind of revolutionize you know rock music and 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 not just it wouldn't just be like this like it would evolve into all of these other forms of of music we have never heard before and i feel like all the bands you just mentioned are basically sound like this just with different guys yeah and lincoln park you could add to that as well yeah. that's um, one that maybe does evolve a little further away from this you know mm-hmm. i would say that they're they're a little bit more i guess musically diverse so i guess that one group not that i'm a, a fan of theirs but i you know they, they can go from quiet to loud and Expand a lot of uh, different sounds, I guess, with basically this formula at the heart of what they're sort of trying to do. But there's not much other than that that I can really think of that's not today. I guess unless you take all the pop music that has rappers over top of it, like in the breaks. Well, there's clearly that's happening. But what I think happened was, and Jay, you and I have talked about this off air, is that the rock stars now are Jay-Z and Kanye West. Those guys are the rock stars that Axl Rose and Eddie Vedder were in the 90s, essentially, in terms of status and media Mm -hmm. influence and that sort of thing. So now, instead of rock artists sort of showcasing in this case, I think think this was clearly an effort to, like, showcase these rock bands, but with these hip-hop artists. Now it's the reverse. It's like the hip-hop artists will have, like, you know, like Kanye West or, or Jay-Z will have Chris Martin of Coldplay come on and sing the chorus. But it's like, hey, look, Chris Martin of Coldplay. That's nice. Next song, Jay-Z's going to yeah. show off with Nicki Minaj or Jay-Z is going to be with Adam Levine from, you know, it's more like, hey, we're going to let these rock artists, you know, in for a song as opposed to, because, you know, you could even go back to when uh, who was it that appeared on the R.E.M. song? Uh, it was hip hop. Was was oh, it Chuck D yeah. that was on a? It was like that one, and that was no, like late eighties. No, no. Oh no, it wasn't Chuck D. Was I it KRS One? Yes, yes. Okay, but yeah, I think right. the, the essentially the, the, the script flipped in terms of who yeah. was the prominent artist and and who was the who was being featured. I think there was a. I want to say that there was a a positive thought behind bringing the two genres, which were pretty separate at that time together. 
in 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 probably in the, the altruistic mind of you know why Pearl Jam or why some of these other bands, Dinosaur Junior or or they might have been thinking you know this is a positive thing to you, or maybe they were getting a good paycheck. I don't know. Yeah. Or Sonic I'm Youth. Sure, they, sure it was fun. I'm sure it was, and but I also probably didn't think that they were it was going to lead to Limp Biscuit, and that sort of return to, of misogynistic, dunderheaded knuckles on the ground rock which it ended up doing and and sort of like ruining you know the the second uh or the third i guess woodstock because there's woodstock in 94 and there was woodstock 99 which was the 30th anniversary which is where limp biscuit played and that was sort of seen as like the the absolute like one of the worst (laughs) examples of 90s music with like and i think red hot chili peppers have a little bit of influence on all this and they played that as well and infamously played Jimi Hendrix's fire while like half the frigging concert venue was burning down. Um, well, yeah. So the, all the bands that were, that you mentioned that were inspired by this, I'm trying to think of ones that, not that I use, like to use this as a measuring stick, but I'm trying to think of ones that are credible and I'm not able to think of any. That's kind of a weird, I mean, uh, other than Lincoln Park maybe, but I'm trying to think of all those ones you mentioned. Lincoln Park I mean, is definitely considered a, yeah, I think a credible. They've been around long enough. I think Incubus is considered a credible band in terms of their combination of you know having a DJ in the band and and using hip hop rhythms and and some phrasings and whatnot. But I don't think of them in terms of the same. I, another band that we're sort of leaving out of this conversation is Three Eleven. Um, oh, well, did you we get a lot of three? Want to include them? Yeah, did you get a lot of Three Eleven down in Australia, Gavin? I've- I think we had about two songs of theirs on the radio, generally attached to, you know, some kind of uh, wakeboarding or something like that, but um, not a lot. <laughs> well, you were spared then. Yeah, that was another band. And I think that uh, we can't underestimate the power of the frat boy when it comes mm. to this, because 311 was huge with the frat boy crowd prior to Limp Bizkit becoming huge with the frat boy crowd. And unfortunately, those sorts of bands are perfect for college age mischief drinking partying keg stands uh you know just general misbehavior that none of us partook in because we were um upstanding citizens some a couple other bands i just want to toss out there because i As think you that were. yeah thank you uh that i, <laughs> I want to toss out there that i think are relevant in this discussion what is the beastie boys they were always sort of dangling in that line of rock and rap obviously with sabotage that's the most blatant version of it but i mean essentially the first album that they made license to ill was a hard rock album with hip-hop over it i mean they were sampling van halen and what other riffs that were on that record i can't even remember but there's all sorts of metal riffs uh on that first record um but i can't i, I got to imagine that that was a fairly big influence on some of the what do you want to call it? What do we call them? We call them metal, new metal. Is it really new metal? Because I guess corn is a new metal, but I don't think of them as rapping necessarily. I think they rap, don't they? No, I don't. No, his was more like goth. Like, I think you know. he does like stuff like that, though. I don't know. I can't tell you. I don't know much about that band. Gavin, you so, got any experience with corn? <laughs> uh, I would have referred to his singing style as sook. As sook? Yeah, what does as that mean? He just sooks into a microphone. Oh, sulks. I gotcha. Yeah. <laughs> That's um, awesome. Yeah, I, I can't remember him rapping a lot, but it wouldn't surprise me if he did. <laughs> I, I think it. I think it's. It fits. You know, they're certainly corn and this. Uh, they're on the same page. I think maybe one of the um, one of the one of the reasons this concept might have come about. I think maybe um, take it back to Aerosmith and Run DMC, but even just the original Aerosmith Walk This Way, which is kind of a rap song. It's kind yeah. of rapped. Um, and I could imagine, if you, when you see the film, the um, the group of people in that bus would very likely be listening to that song on their tape deck. And I think maybe that's a bit of inspiration for it. I don't know that. Just um, And plus I got to include Aerosmith in your podcast, which last week you said you don't get to do enough. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> Thank you. Well, if we're going to go back that far, then we got to talk about Blondie <laughs> and uh, her rapping yeah. from uh, 1981 or whatever that was, which uh, is one of the most 
awful reps of all time. Yeah. But Steven but, uh, Tyler wasn't like, I don't know that he was like trying to mimic, like he he didn't go down to some, he wasn't walking down the street and some guy was rapping and was like, oh, what is he doing? I'm going to try to do that. Like, I no. think that's just the way he delivered the song and yeah. it just so happens that it very much aligns with what we consider rap now in terms of the delivery. That's true. Yeah, although I, I think in terms of his delivery, he's definitely, he's got a much more rapid delivery on that song than previously heard what what album is walk this way on is that uh that's not the 70s records right is that like early night oh, early yeah, 80s yeah. that's pretty early that yeah. might be on, it's not on toys in the attic is it it's on, toys? on it's on one of the first two or three records let me take a look at oh, okay one. i was thinking it was on like the pre permanent vacation like the early 80s stuff well, that's when they did the Run DMC version. Okay. The original version of the song is on uh, Toys in the Attic, yeah. Okay. That was on. Interesting. Yeah, so there, w- there wasn't is... anything like rap at that stage, I wouldn't have thought. 1975. No, rap yeah. didn't exist as we, as we know it. And not to say that you know rap came about because of Steven Tyler, but it just so happened. That, <laughs> no, 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 Jay. You're saying Steven Tyler invented rap. That's what you're saying. <laughs> and that he's responsible for okay. Limp Bizkit. Yes. Uh, oh god yeah that would be the third record we've just decoded I think it. another thing that would that um another reason this album sort of got promoted I think Rage broke in such a massive way and nobody nobody sounded anything like Rage Against the Machine when that came out and this was close and so they thought you know maybe maybe this can get a big push and really get some ears while we try and dig up some you know metal rap sounding bands because they don't exist that's entirely so possible Rage- Rage was prior to this album? Yeah. The the Rage album came out over a year before this came out. Let me me just double check that. But I believe it came out in November of 92. So just about a year before that soundtrack came out. And that was truly an alternative to what was going on at the time. Nothing sounded like, like Gavin said, nothing sounded like Rage at that time. I wonder why a band like that, I mean, perhaps it's personalities, but you know can't make music still you know i guess Mm. i start to wonder like is that formula viable enough to make more than three or four records from or does it become you know do you sort of hit a wall of like how much more material can you make you know with that formula of a band four guys no singing only rapping you know i don't know i just i wonder like that band was so revolutionary at the time but yet and they have so many fans, yet they're not around anymore making music. And it seems to be they'll play live every once in a while, but they seem to have no interest in making music anymore. Mm. I just wonder if that's part of it. And they didn't work when they went their separate ways either. I thought um, Zach um, had a, had that band One Day as a Lime. And mm-hmm. while it wasn't 100 miles from Rage, it just didn't, didn't work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the stuff that um, Tom Morello did with Audio Slave... Mm. It, it was, I guess, passable, but there was nothing particularly special about it. Um, and I haven't it listened to like, his. I haven't listened to his solo stuff. I know he's, did, he's made solo records too. I think some of his latest like, solo stuff's pretty good. Is it? I have to check it out. Um, what were you? What were you going to say, Gavin? Before I brought up Rage. Um, oh, the. I think the same people who put this album together um, put together another one. Shortly after, or a couple of years after, the Spawn soundtrack. Have you seen that one? No. Is it Spawn similar? A, it's well, they took rock people and then they mixed them with electronic artists. So in the same way that I think this is basically a bunch of songs trying to mimic Rage, that was kind of a bunch of songs trying to mimic um, Prodigy. That that sort of sound. So we wound up with um, people like the Chemical. Oh, I'm not even sure if they're on there, but bands like the Chemical Brothers mixed with Silverchair. That kind of thing. Um, oh okay yeah now i know what you're talking about because that's where filter and the crystal method got together and did can't you trip like i do yeah that's it okay but in the same way that that would have seemed at the time right you know geez if we combine this you know we've invented a new music but in the same way it just disappeared within five years well that makes sense because by 97 when that soundtrack came out that's when you were getting like the Chemical Brothers and Prodigy and Fatboy Slim are going to destroy the rock bands and there's never going to be any more rock music and 
It's going to be all electronic music. <laughs> and then that didn't happen. Well, they destroyed the rock bands, but unfortunately they didn't replace them. <laughs> no. Country music did, and lots of other awful pop, generic pop stuff. Right. Yes. <laughs> it's like, thanks, guys. <laughs> yeah, thanks for that. Uh, one other thing I, th- I wanted to note, uh, what, uh, you, you read um, you know, user feedback before we started this. This album, when we did our vote, uh, correct, me if, correct me if I'm wrong, when we did our vote on the uh, soundtrack we would review, I think this album came in second, right? It was pretty high up there, I believe. It, I'd have it to got a lot it. of votes. And there was a lot of comments about it in the vote. So within our little community, this seemed to be a very popular record, which I was I was surprised. I had, I, don't, I had no idea there was that much affinity for this record. Well, let's get down to uh, brass tacks, as they say, and let's... Let's rate rate this record. Let's talk about which tracks we'd keep, which ones we'd ditch, and whether we rate it as a worthy album, a better EP, or a decent single. Gavin, I'm going to start with you. Coming back to this record, you mentioned that your your tastes have changed over the years. Uh, what are your tracks that you're gonna you're gonna put on a mix for somebody, and what, how are you gonna rate this record? On a mix for somebody, that's an interesting way of putting it. Um... Myself, I still listen to this um, from start to finish, and I, th- I did go and track down the Rage Tool song, um, which is a pretty good song, but doesn't doesn't fit with these. So, um, but I, I agree. There's a couple of weak ones these days. Um, certainly, the uh, Slayer song does stand out as a bit. If I will fast forward something, it will be that purely because it, it's. I'm just not that angry. Um, <laughs> How could you be? Yeah, you live in paradise. What's to be angry? <laughs> Uh, and I think also both both the Cypress Hill ones do sound a bit like I don't know, like like leftovers from a Cypress Hill album and and they're for me Cypress Hill are one of those bands if you've heard one song you've pretty much heard everything they've got to offer you know it's always the same topic it's it's not funny the fifth time so they'd be the ones I'd be dubious of but I'd I'd, I'd leave them all on um, and one of the great things about this album for me is that it did, there's a few other, Bands like um, Biohazard I'd seen but not really heard, which was almost a lyric out of one of those songs, I think. And their State of the World Address um, album is one of my favourites and is kind of similar in this. They do sort of rap a little bit on that, which they don't do now. So not only as an album, but um, as what, if you explore it, what it can bring to you musically, I think it was helps out as well. But yes, yeah, so I'd probably, probably get rid of the two Cypress Hill songs and maybe... The Slayer one, but maybe not. But I'd still call it an album. Jay? Uh, I like Fallen, Teenage Fan Club, and De La Soul, Me, Myself, and My Microphone, Living Color, Run DMC, um, Another Bloody, Another Body Murdered, Pluto Tribe, and Faith No More, and Missing Link, Dinosaur Jr., Del, Del the Funky Homo Sapien. So I'm an EP. I will also mention the Judgment Night song by Biohazard and Onyx, just because that one, I think... In a weird way, has the most. Uh, I guess it's the the most uh, pop in terms of just the songwriting. It, you know, it's got a chorus that's memorable, and it actually starts with the chorus. You know, I think the rapping, it's the style, of the rap, and the music really melt together really well. And it's, I don't know, it's the one like maybe because of the title, I'm not sure, but it's the one I think of first uh, when I think of this record now. So I'll throw that one in there too. So I'm at a DP. I am as well. I would take all the songs that you mentioned, and I I would um, add just another victim, just because I like the helmet side of it. I mean, the House of Pain side is okay, but I I do like the the helmet half of it. But I think this is, it's an interesting document of the time. It shows where some artists or some some musical trends would go uh, in in the 90s, but it's very specific to the 90s. I'll, I'll say that. And, uh, I mean, you don't hear a lot of, first of all, you don't hear a lot of these bands anymore or these hip-hop artists. Uh, it's, a, it's an interesting time capsule of uh, this particular period. And uh, there isn't a lot like it except for, as mentioned, the Spawn soundtrack, which maybe we'll get to the Spawn soundtrack at some point. Because I know if Jay would like to hear anything, it would be uh, Stabbing Westward. <laughs> and uh, Hey, I have, the, I have a Stabbing Westward album, so. How about Metallica? With DJ Spooky doing a, a version of For Whom the Bell Tolls. Are you serious? That's yeah. on there? <laughs> yeah. Wow. 
Huh. We might have to do another vote and see if how that was that on your original. Uh, your no, it wasn't because thanks no. to thanks to Gavin, I I now I'm aware. I I only knew the one song and I didn't realize it was from the soundtrack. So it's uh it's now possible that we're gonna be uh, checking out Soul Coughing and Ronnie Size working together. <laughs> I'm actually a fan of that Ronnie Size album. Uh, it's pretty interesting. I don't know if anybody ever picks. It's called I think Represent. Yeah. Uh, it's like a double disc. I, th- I think he only has like one album. If there was another one, I don't know about it. But it's uh, pretty cool instrumental stuff that uh, we'll never review on this particular podcast. If we do a, a Dig Me Out electronic podcast, it'll make it to that one. So, Gavin, thank you so much for joining us, for spending your idyllic uh, Sunday mornings <laughs> and uh, taking you away from the beach and uh, coming on this podcast and nerding out with us over... Judgment Night soundtrack, we greatly appreciate it. No worries, it's great. And uh, want to remind everybody, if you want to make make a suggestion on an album that we should review, you should visit our website at digmeoutpodcast.com and hit our request a review page. And you can find out how to request an album for us to review. And as always, please consider leaving us some positive feedback over in the iTunes store. That would be very kind of you. For Jay, I am Tim, and judgment has been rendered. We are out. <laughs> How about that? Well, it, just, wow. it just lends well itself. Done. Yes, thank you. We'll be back next week on another episode of Dig Me Out. Join the conversation about this episode at digmeoutpodcast.com, where you can find links to our Facebook page and Twitter feed, as well as links to our request a review and merchandise pages. Oh, well, it's just